Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Grab that chair for me. There we go. Uh, dude, I don't know about this. It'll be fine. Just saying. Hun? The faucet broke. I got this. What? See, I told you it'd be fine. Just saying. All right, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Do you need some lighter fluid or anything? No, man, I got this. church today. We're so glad that you're with us, and we also want to welcome everybody who's with us on Facebook Live. Let's thank them for being with us today as well. If, uh, if you are a Facebook person, love it if you would just pull your phone out real quick. Uh, we've been encouraging you for the past month or so to be sharing our Facebook Live video on uh, Nobody's Moving. Open your phones. Come on. <laughs> You can pull out your phones and, and share this on Facebook. It's just a, a really simple way, uh, a small way for us to share what God is doing here in our church with our family and friends on Facebook Live. Uh, a few weeks ago, you guys just knocked out of the park. I think over 100 of you shared, and uh, we had over 4,000 people watch our message online, which uh, we think is just a great thing to celebrate. We love it that uh, people who can't be here on Sunday maybe are working um, or out of town can be part of our family. So we're just glad that you're with us online as well. So, um, and also, we've baptized, I think, 24 people now. Can we just thank God for that? That's awesome. So good. I love the little golf clap. We'll work on that. It's okay. We'll work on that. That's such a huge thing to thank God for lives that have been changed. And uh, we're going to actually give you a chance to do that if you have never been baptized at the end of the message here as well again today. Uh, but we are in a series of talks called Just Saying, and we're walking through 1 John, the book of 1 John. And uh, John, at this point in his life, he's an old man. We've called him Grandpa John. And Grandpa John has lost his filter. He says it like it is. Um, he's that good friend, that loving friend that tells you when you got like some spinach in your teeth, right? And they're like, hey, bro, get that out of there. Just saying. Or uh, maybe uh, they were with you out to dinner and heard you kind of speak sort of harshly to your wife or to your girlfriend. And this is a friend that's going to be like, hey, dude, that was pretty harsh. And just saying, man, I'm just trying to help you out here. Uh, whatever it may be, we all need people in our lives who will tell us like it is. And that's really the purpose of this book is to challenge the way that we see following Jesus. I don't know if you're here today and you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian or not, but if you are, uh, we want to challenge what that actually means, especially in the American church today, where it can be so easy to call yourself a Christian, and yet maybe we don't realize what it really means to be a Christ follower. And John is dealing with a belief system, a way of seeing the world that's, that's something called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is the belief that God cares about eternity and about these ethereal things, not so much about what happens right here and right now in our bodies in this life. 
But when we see the life of Jesus and we hear him speak, we understand that God clearly cares about what happens right here and right now. In fact, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he he invites them to pray that it would be on earth just as it is in heaven. And in our church, what you'll see sometimes are t-shirts that are floating around that our vision is that it would be in Alaska as it is in heaven. We, we believe that God actually wants to bring little bits of heaven to earth right now. It's a foreshadowing of what is to come for the world, for those who are in Christ. And so that's our, our mission as a church, is to amplify the grace of Jesus to the church and the unchurched and the dechurched. And as we do that, there are little moments of heaven all around us. But uh, Christianity is different than maybe you might have thought. Um, Maybe it challenges you as we walk through this book to think of it in a deeper way. And and this week specifically, John is going to challenge us in the area of fear. He's going to make a case that the love of Jesus and fear are actually incompatible. To be somebody who lives in fear or anxiety. And, And I would say that in the world that we live in, most of us in this room live in a constant state of at least low-level anxiety, right? So could we just be honest with each other for just a second? If you are here today, and you would say at least in one area of your life, you are dealing with anxiety or fear, would you raise your hand right now? Okay, so keep them up, look around the room, look around the room. So do you see this is like everybody, right? Uh, Two of you that aren't raising your hands, you're playing Fortnite on your phone or something. But everybody else is honest about their fear, that we all have fear, and and doesn't that... Um, doesn't that help just a little bit already? That was already worth the price of admission, right? You're not alone in your fear. And I actually put a post out on Facebook this week and just asked uh, my Facebook friends, who has fear in their lives? And I think the picture of my daughter when she came home from the hospital didn't get as many comments as this specific post about fear. And so I want to list a few things that people are afraid of. Here they are. The future. The past. Big crowds, small crowds, the Glen Highway, mediocrity, people's opinion of me, safety for my kids, loss of financial security, my boss, my wife. I was like, I wonder if she saw that. Um, When you send a text to somebody and all you see is the little red with the dot, 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 right? And you're wondering, what are they thinking of me? They have not responded back. Um, Loss of a loved one, failure, loss of control moving. Uh, These are all things that people are afraid of, and you probably relate to one or maybe all of those different things uh, that that scare you. Fear is everywhere. Fear is used to sell us things, right? Insurance companies use fear to sell us more insurance. You know, they show us the worst case scenario. We're constantly in fear. My family, we go through gallons of Purell, right? The hand sanitizer. How did we live when we were kids, right? Anybody before Purell? I, I mean, somehow we were able to fight off the germs, but today we got to lather our children in Purell um, just to keep them safe. So before we get too much into fear, um, I know this probably digs deep into some of your lives. Uh, some of you are dealing with some major fears, uh, and, and I want to start off with just the acknowledgement that there is some fear that's good, right? Uh, sometimes there's good fear, like if you're crossing the old Glen here later on to get a cup of coffee after church, and there's a semi-truck bearing down on you, you should have a little bit of fear, right? Fear can be good. It's a, it's a response that God gave us to some degree. We, we learn, and then we gain fear, and it's, it's fear that helps us to make it through life. But what I'm speaking specifically about today is an unhealthy fear, a faithless fear, the kind of fear that is gripping, that keeps us from becoming the men and the women that God wants us to be, that kind of unhealthy fear. 
In fact, Jesus speaks about fear, and he doesn't speak about it neutrally. He doesn't say, well, you know, you're all going to fear, and so you should just kind of get over it. He actually speaks about fear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, listen to what he tells us, do not be anxious about your life. So Jesus gives us a command that we should not be anxious about our life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. <laughs> and I read that and I was like, but Jesus, food and clothing, right? I mean, all of us would say, out of all the wants in my life, there are a couple things that are needs, two of which being food and clothing. And so Jesus finds the two things that we would say, no, these are things you should definitely fear about. Like, if you don't have food, you don't have clothing, uh, we would say, be, be afraid. That's fine, <laughs> right? But, but Jesus says, no, you shouldn't live in fear. Is not life more than food and clothing? He goes on in verse 30 to say, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus says, if God takes care of all the plants and all the animals, if he care, takes care of the world and sustain us, sustains us with lots of rain right now, God gives us everything we need, will he not so much more clothe his children who he created in his image and care for you and give you whatever it is that you need? So a few major lessons that I want to talk about today when it comes to fear. The first is that fear lessens God's love. It diminishes the love of God how big it is, how great it is. Fear also lacks trust. At some point in our fear, there is a lack of trust in God. We say we love him, we say he loves us, but we're not so sure that we are comfortable with what his love might look like. And the third is that fear limits our impact. It actually keeps us from being on mission just as Christ would intend us to be. And as we start off today, I want to start off with this understanding that you actually weren't created to fear that as we look back to the, the creation story, we see that man and woman were in beautiful community with their father, and there was no fear in the garden. There was no fear. There was no sin, so there was no fear. Fear is not something that we were intended to ever feel, but it's a symptom of the sin that's come into the world. And, and I would say this, too. If you're not a Christian here today or, or watching online, um, and you have fear, I think we all can admit that it's not good for us, can't we? Can we all admit that fear actually kind of takes our joy and, 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 and it even takes our health? In fact, I ran across a Harvard study recently that said this. It says, anxiety has been implicated in several chronic physical illnesses, including heart disease, chronic respiratory disorders, and gastrointestinal conditions. When people with these disorders have untreated anxiety, the disease itself is more difficult to treat their physical symptoms often become worse, and in some cases, they die sooner. So fear's out to kill you. I mean, fear messes with your body. And we had some friends at one point that were going through a, a really difficult divorce. And I remember over the, the course of six months to a year, I hadn't seen them a whole lot. And then after about a year, I saw them in different situations, different scenarios. They were divorced at that point, and they both looked like they were 10 years older. Because fear and anxiety, it, it just, it actually affects your body. I love this passage, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so I want you to begin by acknowledging and, and maybe just believing that God doesn't want this for you. That you don't actually have to just live this life of fear and anxiety. And even, I want to acknowledge this, some of you here have like a medical condition that would deal with fear 
And, and, and so you're maybe taking some anxiety medication or whatever, and I understand that as well. Others of you are going through major issues, medical problems in your life, or uh, the loss of a loved one, or you know, kids that have gone off the deep end. And the tendency as we talk today, I just want to acknowledge this, the tendency would be for you to say, Brian, but my fear is, is legitimate. Like, I don't know why everybody else raised their hand today, but mine is legitimate. If you knew my fear, you would understand. And what I want you to hear today is that I do understand because I have fear. And I'm with all of you. And, and, and I just, I mean, even to be honest with you, every time I come up to preach here on Sunday morning, I have to fight this because I have fear in my life. And I have to claim that, that this is not who God made me to be. He's not, he's not made me to live in fear but to be bold and have confidence and power and self-control. And so if you want to open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start off in verse 16. I'm going to bounce around a little bit in this section of Scripture. And if you don't have a Bible, you can download the ACF Church app, and all of the Scriptures will be there for you as well. So let's start off in verse 16 of chapter 4. While I take a sip of my coffee, because it's a coffee day, Amen. Everybody online, it's just pouring down rain in Alaska. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. So I love these words that he starts off with. He says, so we have come to know and to believe. So that's where I want to start off today. Do you know and believe God's love? Because John says, as you know and believe God's love, you develop a confidence in who you are, confidence in what's to come for the day of judgment. Because we all will stand one day before God and we will answer for the lives that we live. And John says, God has such a love for us, who, those who are in Christ Jesus, that we can have a confidence for the day that we stand before God. And so, do you know and believe? I was thinking this week um, about things that I've maybe believed but not known. Like maybe, maybe you believe in God's love. Um, in fact, Scripture says even the demons believe that God is one and they, and they shudder, right? So you can believe in God's love and you can not know God's love. Do you know that? You can have a kind of an understanding of God's love and yet not truly know God's love. So when we first moved up to Alaska, I remember asking some friends, hey, where can I go to get a good steak? And I've shared this before, but my favorite steak in Alaska is from the Double Muskie. Anybody been there? Love that steak. I'm telling you if, you, if you've got like a few hours to take a drive and maybe like $200 to blow, just you can go down and get yourself a steak at the muskie, but I'm telling you what, um, so, so everybody's like, go to the muskie, get this pepper, it's called a French pepper steak, and I'm just I'm drooling, thinking about it right now, um, but I, I, I just, I had this belief, all my friends, everybody that I knew was like, go get this steak, I'm like, okay, so it must be the best steak in Alaska, and then one day, my wife and I took a date night, drove down there, and I had that steak, and just, I'm telling you, it's the best steak in Alaska. I, I went from believing to knowing. Like, from, from, from seeing to, to tasting and actually experiencing what everybody had been talking about. And so some of you, you've been around the church for a long time. People are like, oh, yeah, God loves me. Jesus loves you. You're like, oh, that's, that's nice, you know. 
It's kind of like a warm blanket on a cold day. That's great, but it doesn't help me when my life is falling apart. Like I need something real, something tangible. And I'm just telling you that Jesus' love is as real and tangible as anything in this world. In fact, it's the most real thing you'll ever experience. And so I want for us to both believe and know God's love, to experience his love, to receive it. And I think this is where John is getting as he's going to talk about the perfect love of God is that God can pour out his love on you and you can resist it and you can deny it. But there's a moment that you just open yourself up and say, listen, I'm going to receive his love. And when you fully receive it, you will know his love. Now, maybe a question is, well, how can I be sure that he loves me that much? I think that's a valid question. Maybe you feel like, well, I've gone through some hard things. I've made some terrible choices. Uh, maybe I've caused some of the pain in my life. Maybe I'm to blame for what it is that's giving me so much fear and anxiety in my life. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, here it is, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So how do you know that God loves you? If you're taking notes, write this down. God's care is directly proportional to our cost. God's care is directly proportional to our cost. I think about things in my life that didn't cost me much, I don't care much about them. I don't care much about things that don't cost me much, things that don't matter to me. But then there are things that cost a lot. Like I've said before, like I become a terrible parent when I've got a nice car, but I become a loving parent when I have a trashy car. And so I ended up actually selling a really nice pickup and buying one with the rubber floor mats, you know? And it was like a white service truck for the slope. And so we get it dented, it gets rusty, the kids, you know, spill soda pop in the back seat, and I'm just a happy camper, right, driving down the road. Why? Because it didn't cost me much at all, right? Whereas when I get a really nice car, I turn into a jerk of a dad. And uh, I park at the back 40 at the parking lot, right, and walk in, keep all the door dings away, and, and, and you know, wash it every single day and take care of it. And, and, and at some point, I just don't, who got time for that, right? So our care for things, it, it increases as we pay for them. By the cost that, that we've paid for them, Jesus paid it all for us. That's what we believe. God's care is directly proportional to our cost. If you wonder what this kind of love looks like. Here's a few more verses. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 13, 5, For God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I mean, that's love. Isn't that love? I mean, we say this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, right? When we get married to somebody, it's that, you know, through sickness and in health, till death do we part. And yet, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes people get divorces. I say that I'm going to love my wife, but I will tell you, my love for my wife is imperfect. As much as I try to love her like Jesus loves me, I have never loved my, life, my wife perfectly. And so you also have never experienced perfect love from any, any other human being on this earth. So then we read this and we're like, man, that's a, that's a love. I would give up a lot for somebody, but would I give up my only son? And, and how about this? Would I give up my own life for someone? 
Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down their life for his friends. That's what Jesus did willingly for us, laid down his life. And not only did he lay down his life for us, but he actually experienced separation from the Father. And this is, I think, something that we miss. Like, when we're going through struggle, and we are anxious and fearful, what we say is, God, maybe you've forsaken us. You know, you've left me, you've, you've abandoned me. We shake our fists at God. Here's what you need to know. If, if, if you're a Christian here today, you need to know that God has never forsaken you. We feel forsaken, but listen to this. Jesus actually was forsaken. He actually was forsaken. When he took the sin of the world upon himself, he chose to create a, a separation between him and the Father. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him, being Jesus, to be sin." who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus actually felt abandonment. Jesus felt separation from the Father. He felt something you and I have, have never actually experienced, even though we've felt it before. So that kind of love, that kind of care, when we understand this, we develop a confidence. Instead of fear, we have confidence in this life. I love this, this prayer in Psalm 23. This is what confidence, I feel like, uh, sounds like when we're, when we're scared. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You can write this down if you're taking notes. The love of Jesus replaces our fear with confidence. Don't you want that? Wouldn't it be great for whatever it is that you raised your hand about earlier, for you just to have this, this peaceful confidence about that area in your life. Now, I want to make a, a point about this, that confidence is different than control. In fact, to develop confidence in Christ means to release control. I remember the first time that I, I was teaching my little boy to swim. We got down in the pool, and, and up to this point, when he got towards the deep end, he was clinging to the side of the pool, right? Wouldn't let go. But there came a point where I'm like, son, if you want to learn how to swim, you've got to let go of the edge. I remember him letting go of the edge, and any of you parents in the room have experienced this, where he, let, he lets go of his grip on the edge, and where does that grip get transferred to? Your throat, right? You can't breathe. Like, he's like, arms and legs wrapped all around me, Right? And, and that's just kind of what happens is like you're going to hold on to something. Some of you think it's control, and the sooner that you realize that that's just an illusion, the better, that you actually don't have control over anything, the more you can actually receive God and cling to him and to know that he will always be with you through the, the hardest of times to, to release control. Some of you in the room are type A's. Any type A's in the room? Uh, a type A personality is somebody that loves sticky notes. And uh, you have a to-do list, right? You might be working on it right now. And you've got a few things that if you don't get them done, you will not sleep tonight. Um, you know, just picking up after the weekend and getting things, you know, taken care of for Monday morning. And I mean, you've got stuff to do. And so you are a type A personality and you have lots of fear because you're a type A personality. Because type A people get scared and they get anxious. In fact, I looked up kind of where this whole type A personality thing came from. Here's what it said. It says, two cardiologists discovered type A behavior by accident after they realized that their waiting room chairs needed to be reupholstered much sooner than anticipated. I love this. Upon further observation, the cardiac patients seemed unable to sit in their seats for long and wore out the arms of the chairs. They tended to sit on the edge of the seat and leapt up frequently. 
<laughs> so type A people are typically heart patients is what's going on here. And, and heart patients are type A people. And so these, this, this sort of behavior that was connected to this cardiac issue was like anxiety and I can't sit in my seat and I can't focus for very long and I just, I gotta do something. I gotta get, gotta get up, gotta get my list taken care of. These people tend to have heart issues and have a lot of other problems. And I get it. I get the to-do list. I get that feeling that it must get done. But at some point, we have to let go of control and hold on to our confidence in Christ himself. Let's get back to John 4. 1 John 4, 18 says, For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That's a big statement, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that? So all of us in this room who raised our hands, we have not been perfected in love. The love that God has for us has not been perfected in us when we fear. And he, he talks about punishment. And I've heard this a lot from people, people who are uh, Christ followers who are saying, you know what, my life is really hard right now, and it's because I earned it. I earned it. God is punishing me right now. Like, your, your kids have gone off the deep end, and you're like, my mother's prayers were answered, right? She prayed that my kids would be just like I was, and her prayers were answered. You made some decisions when you were a kid, or whatever it may be, and you're seeing some of the, the, the repercussions from that as an adult, and so you're saying, man, God is punishing me for my sin. But I want to tell you, Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he being Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon who? Him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You can write this down if you want today. God is not punishing those who he has already purified. God is not punishing those he has already purified. You need to know this today, that God has no reason to punish you. All the punishment that you and I have ever deserved or will ever deserve was taken upon Christ. And so there's no reason to walk through life going, man, afraid even. Maybe you're afraid. Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? My, my life's been pretty good to this point, but I know where I've been. I know what I've done. And so at any point, God's going to be like, remember what you owe me? I'm going to take that out of your life. Some of you fear for family members and things like that because you're like, man, I don't know when it's coming, but God is going to lay into me because I've always deserved this. I know it's going to come at some point. God's going to punish me for what I've done. A punishment is like a payment. A punishment is a payment. Here's what you need to know. Listen, this is so key. I hope you get this today, is that losing your job cannot pay for your sin. Losing a loved one will not pay for your sin. Becoming somebody who doesn't have any money, being kicked out on the street, not having a place to live, not having food, none of that will pay for your sin. Only Jesus can pay for your sin, and he already did. So there's nothing to fear. God isn't wandering through the world looking for a reason to punish those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, what we do is we give our circumstances more authority than they deserve. We give our fears more authority than they deserve. And what you'll find is what it is that is your God will give you the most fear. Your God will give you the most fear. Whatever it is that you worship will give you the most fear. We fear losing our jobs because we think that we provide for ourselves. We've convinced ourselves that God is not my provider. I am. So it's on me. 
We fear that we'll die single because we feel somehow that we're incomplete without another person. God didn't create us whole. We, we fear that uh, our kids will go off the deep end because we feel like ultimately we are responsible for them. That in the end, we are the only ones responsible for our kids. And I get, all these are really good. Like, you should probably try to keep a job. You should probably take care of yourself and of your kids. And, and you know, if you're single, like, go on a date. It's good. I mean, it, it's good to do these things. And yet, at the same time, they become idols when they consume us with fear and anxiety. You have to look at whatever you raised your hand about and ask yourself the question, have I given this too much authority in my life? Again, you might be like, no, Brian, if you knew what it was, you would say it's legitimate, but yet Jesus doesn't give us any outs. At no point is he like, well, that's worthy of being, fear, of being fearful of. You are so loved. God's love is so great that we can go through life rejecting fear. And, and, and maybe here today, it's like you walk through life at a 10 and maybe for the rest of your life, you're going to have some fear that you're going to trust God for, but, but maybe you're going to understand Jesus' love for you in a deeper way, and so you're going to walk out of church today at like a nine. And I'm just telling you, that's progress. And maybe next week, you'll be able to operate at like a seven. And so you're not living this life in constant fear and struggle. So when we get this, what it does is it propels us not to just live fearless for ourselves, but also for other people. Um, he continues on in 1 John 4, 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, here's the commandment, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You can write this down today. When we trust God with the people in our lives, we are free to love them. You will never be able to love the people in your life the way that you want to until you trust God with them. If you spend the rest of your life trying to control them, being fearful of their decisions, then you will not be able to love them as Christ does. But when you trust God with people in your life, you will begin to love like Christ loved you. You release control. You might even see the relationship get repaired. I've seen this a, a hundred times where people are like, man, there's this tension back and forth. I'm trying to control her. She's trying to control me. At some point, I just trust God with this person, and all of a sudden, healing begins. You see, that's love. And so when you know the love of the Father that he's given to you, what you begin to think is maybe he loves other people like he loves me. Like just maybe God loves your kids or your mom your grandparents, or your boss, whoever it is in your life, maybe he loves them a little like he loves you. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. You see, you can't love other people till you understand God's love for you. And maybe, maybe that's why you've lacked love. Maybe that's why you're constantly irritated. Maybe that's why you're always frustrated with people is because you have not fully received God's love for you. There's a confidence in it. There's a patience in it. There's a peace in it. So I want to ask you a question. What would you do if you had nothing to fear? Like if you really believed this today, if you could take this to the bank, what decisions would you make? How would your life look different? Can you look back in your life and say, I didn't do this because I was scared? Can you see things in your life, opportunities that you've missed out on? Is there a vision that God's given you to do something? 
and you haven't done it because you've been too scared to do it. She thought, well, ultimately, I'm the provider. I'm the caretaker of my life. If I screw this up, then there's no coming out of it. When once again, the confidence that we have is not confidence that God will do what we want. It's not confidence that, that, that it's gonna be easy or painless. That's not what I'm saying. It's confidence in Christ and his great love for you so that you can walk through life at peace. It's a confidence that he's always with you in it, high and low, through, through pain and sorrow. It's kind of like there's a, people in this church that um, if I were to walk with you down a dark alley, I would have confidence. If I was alone, I'd have no confidence. But there's some people in this church, some big dudes, that if I was next to you going down an alley, I'd feel confidence. Why? Because I know that we have a relationship. And I know that we might go through something, something crazy, but I know that you're with me. And to believe in God's great love is so much greater than you can ever imagine. It's to develop a confidence as you walk through life, not that you will be absent of pain, but that he will be with you in the pain. Matthew 10, 28 I love this verse. I'm going to close with this. It says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Jesus says you're fearing, fearing all the wrong things. In the end, the only one we're commanded to fear is God himself. And it's not a cowering in the corner kind of fear. It's a respect and honor for the God that created the universe. And yet we fear all other things in life and yet we shake our fists at God himself. So what if we were to change that? How would our city be different? How would your workplace be different if you were no longer fearing men and you only feared God? I mean, there'd be different, a different life, right? And I want to encourage you in something here this morning. Um, we've got this baptism tank on the stage. And baptism is a symbol of our new life in Christ. And for many Christians, it's terrifying. Anybody been baptized in this room? Can you just be willing to raise your hands? Okay, can you just nod your heads? Was it a little scary? Like getting up and doing it? Okay, so it was a little scary, like making that decision to get in front of people and to be willing to say, I am a believer in Jesus. And I just want you to know, maybe, maybe the, the fear and the, the scary part of this is kind of part of the point. I've had people say, can I do like a private baptism? And I'm like, it's kind of not a thing, right? The whole point is that you get up in front of people and you say, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I deserve it. In fact, this is a, this is an admission that I don't deserve it. I'm just saying that I need Jesus and that I want something better and I'm, I'm choosing not to live as that dead person and choosing to live as this new living person in Christ Jesus. And so we know that it's the first thing that we're called to do when we make a decision to follow Jesus is to be baptized. In fact, Jesus himself, before his ministry began, got baptized. And so none of us are too good to get in front of anybody else and say, I'm a follower of Jesus and yet I get it's scary. But what if today, maybe your first step in dealing with fear in your life is to simply publicly admit that you're a follower of Jesus and he is your confidence and he is your peace and you're gonna trust all the people in your life with him so that you might love them better. And so if that's you today, maybe you've never been baptized or uh, maybe you were baptized as an infant and you didn't make that decision for yourself. And now as an adult, uh, over the past weeks, months, or years, you've, you've followed Jesus and made that call, but, but people don't know about it. Or maybe just a few people know about it. I want to invite you not to leave here today without taking this step, without rejecting fear and believing that Jesus is enough. And so in the lobby, we've got a table set up. They've got shorts and T-shirts, everything you might need today uh, to, to get baptized so you can go home in your dry clothes. 
And so we've taken care of all the details, but if God is speaking to your heart, here in just a minute, we're going to worship. And as we sing, I want you to just step out of the row and, and go out to the lobby, and they'll give you everything that you need so that you can go public with your faith today. Let's pray together. God, as I see all the hands raised in this room that we all have fears, I, I think of all the stories represented there. From being scared of a test on Monday to a cancer diagnosis. God, we know that in everything between, God, that, that you are present in those things. And that though we fear, God, you are with us. And that you will comfort us. So God, I pray today maybe we would believe how great your love is. We confess, God, that as we fear, God, what we've said is that your love isn't perfect. We've doubted your goodness. We've doubted your greatness. We've, we, we've had doubt that what you choose is going to be best in the end. And yet, God, we submit ourselves to you. God, we embrace you. We want to let go of the wall and, and cling tightly to our loving Father will be with us through every circumstance. God, thanks for those who have been and will be baptized, God. As you work in our hearts, we just ask, God, that we would have the confidence that, we're, that we need to both step forward in front of this crowd of people as well as on Monday morning to live lives fully devo devoted to you, trusting that you are enough for us, trusting that you're worth the risk to have the conversation with our coworkers and our friends. Jesus, we know in the end we can have confidence in you and you alone. We pray that would drive our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys, thanks.